Gimme, gimme, gimme. I need some more. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Don't ask what for. What do they for? Hello, my name is Tom Chick, and you're listening to the Quarter to Three Games podcast, where I am joined, as usual, by Jason Heinrich McMaster. <laughs> Of Germany, if I'm not mistaken, is is that correct, Jason Heinrich McMaster? That is correct. Why? Now you from go- Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Germany, the home of the Frankfurter, I believe. Uh, why are you in sure. Germany? You're you're going to file a special report for us about gaming in Germany. Is that correct? Oh sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in uh, Germany on business. Oh, don't say that. That's boring. I know. So no, here, here's here's what I want you to do while you're in Germany, Jason Heinrich McMaster. I hear three things about Germany, and I want you to confirm these myths while you're there. Number All one, right. okay, German games have to have green blood. Number two, you can't even use the word Nazi in a German game. Mm-hmm. And number three, if you go to the house of a Germaner. Then and look in the closet where an American would normally have like a copy of Monopoly or Battleship or maybe some old boxed copy of Sorry. You know, if you go to that place in a Germaner's house, you will find just stacks and stacks of hardcore board games by Rainer Knizia. I so will check. Those are three things I want. I want you to look into. Uh, also. Uh, I hear Germans are fond of pointing out that Hitler was, in fact, Austrian. Yeah, I imagine they would be. All right. So seriously, though, in all seriousness, is have is there anything like fun gaming wise to do in Germany that you've found so far? Not that I've found so far, but I've I'm kind of in a small town west of uh, Frankfurt, so it's uh it's a little bit quieter here. All right. Well, I want you to uh, do America proud. I want you to represent us well. Um, oh, I will. Okay, good. Now, tell folks listening what we do on this podcast, if you would. What we do on this podcast is we discuss a news story of the week, mm-hmm. a forum post or thread of the week, and a game of the week each. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. Do you have your three ready? I do. As do I. Okay, let's let's roll a die here and see who's going to go first. Are you ready? I'm ready. Unfortunately, I only have a D4 handy right now, but I'm rolling it. On a one to two, you go first. I got a three. All right. All right, so I'm going you first. Ah, uh, rats. You've won this time. I'm going to start us out this week with, oh, I don't know. What am I feeling? Let's go with news stories of the week because these are always, to me, the most boring bits. But let's do this. My news story of the week is very brief, uh, and I had hoped to have more information on it by the time that we taped. Unfortunately, I'm still waiting with bated breath to see if this makes any meaningful, if this has any meaningful effect on me. Uh, but the news for me of the week is there is a new patch for Fallout New Vegas. Oh yes. So I, I know there's been one released for the PC and the PS3. As of last night, it was not live for Steam. 
Uh, I mean, first team for uh, for the 360. Uh, I will be checking in on that because I am in dire need of a patch because as of uh, maybe a couple weeks after the game's release, anytime I get in combat, the game just locks up my 360 hard. Uh, and I don't know what the problem is. Uh, it makes it difficult to make any progress in the storyline. I have spent uh, of the maybe 40 plus hours I've invested in Fallout New Vegas I would say at least 10 of them have been spent with some sort of troubleshooting, including things like, in my current situation, what I've tried to do, because I really want to play this stupid freaking game. One of the things I've tried to do in my current situation is drop all of my inventory, just just put it in a pile on the ground, take off all my clothes, uh, and then get into combat like that. See if naked combat, naked inventoryless, companionless combat still locks up the game because previously I had a problem with, believe it or not, a cowboy hat in my inventory was causing <laughs> some, it was, it was, it was locking up some sort of scripting trigger. And, uh, so I couldn't go to the game's main hub without the game locking up. So now I was thinking maybe there's something in my inventory. So I've dropped everything on the ground and plunged naked into combat and it still locks up. So hopefully, you know, I'm waiting. Hopefully this patch will let me continue Fallout New Vegas because I, I want to see where this game goes. So I kind of do too. It also I just I don't know I couldn't get into it like I did Fallout Three though. Now what made you? What was the obstacle for you getting into it? I, I guess really uh, I, I don't know. The story just kind of started meandering for me, and I just kind of got bored with it. Fair enough. Now did you get to the eponymous New Vegas? I did. Okay. Um, yeah, I think if by that time it's not grabbing you, it might be time to move on to something like Fable 3. Yeah, my favorite. <laughs> uh, so you were able to play. Now you can have combat without the game locking up on you, I suppose. In theory. I mean, I haven't tried it with a new <laughs> DLC that like won't load games or whatever. So. They did. That's right. There was a brief fumble where they put out the DLC and... I think if you, yeah, they had some weird glitch. You know, I remember Bethesda releasing for Fallout 3, uh, uh, it was a Pittsburgh-themed release called maybe something Steel? Uh, the Pit. The Pit. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, oh, maybe there was something in the game. about. At any rate, so when they first released that, if you went into the little area, there was all this, like, weird placeholder art, like big pink polygons sticking around and, and they and within like a few hours of the dlc out they're like oh wait wait hold on hold on never mind sorry we didn't mean to release this just a second and they pulled it to fix those giant pink polygons and so i don't i don't know what's going on over there at bethesda but man uh, i i want to freaking play new vegas already yeah i just i don't know what it was about the game i, I really wanted to like it i just kind of hmm, petered out for me all right fair enough <laughs> uh, well, there's with this new patch, uh, you know, maybe there's maybe they they flipped the little switch for the Jason McMaster will have fun flag. I don't know. Maybe so. Uh, I hope so. I just you know, I guess one of my problems with that game is I hate uh, any area where you have to go inside a lot and then go outside a lot. Because, because of loading, of loading times. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's and that's like what New Vegas did to me. When you act, when I got to actual Vegas, I just kind of was like, oh, God. I'm tired of leaving a building and then loading and then going into the next door building. 
Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I don't know if you remember Vegas is, is split up into like three or four sections because of the yeah. way the game engine works. And each time you cross into a new section, you know, loading screen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's kind of it, it. Games like uh like Just Cause 2, for instance, have really killed that for me. Like, a, you know, when you throw a loading screen up in what's presumably kind of an open-ish world, uh, it kind of, you know, Bioware's games, for instance, it kind of kills the illusion. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, that's the thing is, you know, the Fallout games for the most part, or Fallout 3 specifically for me, uh, had a really great open world feel to it. Um, Fallout New Vegas definitely has that, but it, it and I guess it's not really a complaint, but it's it certainly, you know, they don't scale the levels, you know, so you can't really wander too much in Fallout New Vegas without getting absolutely murdered. There, there are areas that you're not supposed to – yeah, you definitely get the sense that, oh, look at that thing over there. I'm obviously not supposed to go there yet because it's way too powerful for me. Yeah. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, the Death Claws. Oh, death yeah. Claws, that's what I was trying to think of. Yeah, I haven't even run into those yet. I don't think I'm ready. Uh, so, All right, so hopefully the new patch will uh, let me play. I will uh, certainly be kvetching about it if it won't. So <laughs> stand by. I know you that. will. All right, McMaster, Jason Heinrich McMaster, what is your choice for news story of the week? Well, uh, I was going to highlight that Torchlight hit one million sold copies to date, which now, is pretty cool for an indie game, a relatively. Uh, I'm surprised that they made so popular of an indie game from that that gay spinoff for Doctor Who. I would not have thought <laughs> they'd have done so well. Yeah, Captain Jack and Torchlight. Yes. <laughs> Uh, that's an interesting joke. I wonder how many people will get that one. I was actually, I was, I because I don't know Torchwood that I actually don't know Torchlight yeah. or Torchwood that well. That was the first thing I thought of when you said that's what you were talking <laughs> oh. about. Uh, so that's we'll chalk that up. Like many things, we'll chalk that up to my ignorance. So why don't you tell us what is this thing that got a hundred? What, what did you say? A hundred million downloads? Yeah, or no, it sold one million copies. Oh, one million copies. Okay, <laughs> that's <laughs> quite a difference. Um, <laughs> uh, no, Torchlight was developed by some of the people that developed the original Diablo, and uh, it's very similar to the original Diablo. In fact, if I remember correctly, the brothers that did the music for the game, or no, it's the brotherhood, one of the a set of brothers that designed the original game, mm-hmm. uh, Diablo. Uh, they uh, put this together, and the guy that did the music also did the music for this, so it's it's kind of like very Diablo reminiscent. And um, I really liked it, even though it's only single player, just because it gives you that Diablo fix, since God knows when Diablo 3 is actually coming out. Now I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is, okay, this is the one where you have a cat and you can go fishing? Yes. And you can feed your cat Yeah, the, the uh, I, yes. Um, okay. The thing with the pet is that you. Uh, what's really great about him is he's a has a, a equipment slots. So basically, if you're in the dungeon and you don't want to leave, you can send your pet to sell. Stuff ah, right, for. right. And uh, that was a, a really cool like uh, addition, I thought, to it. Because unlike um, this, this idea, like some games, like for instance, recently in Dungeon Siege Three, you get a bunch of trash loot. You can just press a button to immediately sell it at like a reduced price. But I remember here, you could send the pet back, and the the sort of downside of that was you were getting 
the money for selling the loot, but you were without your pet for a while. Like there was a bit of a trade off there, right. right? Yeah. Right. But I mean, in a way the pet doesn't really do that much. So, but you, but you do lose that storage for a time, which is, yeah, can be a total bummer. Mm-hmm. And now is this the game um, that it, uh, no. Travis Baldry, is that his name? Uh, this is his game, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. I totally know. Now I feel bad for confusing it with a Doctor Who spinoff. Of course I know this yeah. game. Yeah. So a million and, hits, a million downloads is good. That's great. For yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Since they released it on the 360. Um, yeah. Over the 360, uh, PS3. and uh, What is it on the PS3? Huh. Well, over the 360 and – oh, okay. 360 Mac and PC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's done a million. And it was released, I believe, uh, oh, yeah, October 2009. So uh, a little over a year and a half, and they've done a million, which is hey, good for them. They're working on a sequel, too, that I believe will have multiplayer. Now, here's a question for you, McMaster. Of those million, how many would you guess were sold on the Mac? Oh, 20, 30. <laughs> 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 yeah, the Mac's not a. Uh, I mean, the Macintosh OS just isn't the biggest gaming platform. Now, I mean, for apps, they've done really well. All right, but, so uh, uh, send your hate mail to Jason Heinrich McMaster at quarter to three dot com. Because if you have a Mac and you're angry, uh, he should have to answer to you. I agree. I'm going to be hearing from Andy Bates. all right so that's our news for the week uh let's move on now to how about our uh post of the week sounds Uh, good i'm gonna roll the d4 again you ready i'm ready one to two you go first three to four it's me all right ah one yeah (laughs) (laughs) you have to go first with your post of the week what do you have for us jason heinrich mcmaster um, in the games forum, I really like the, wow, what needs to be done thread, because it's something that I've been thinking about, uh, quite a bit after my last bout with World of Warcraft in Cataclysm. There's a lot of interesting ideas, but I think the post itself that really stands out to me is by Intruder, and he says that WoW died with the Lich King, which I actually kind of agree with. Because he's such a giant figure in the World of Warcraft lore that basically all they're going to do from now on is you're going to see maybe some demons and dragons. You know, I, it's it's hard to compare with the Lich King when it comes to just cool characters. Now, of course, he's a good rip off of other characters, but that's kind of what Blizzard does. Um, you know, they they repackage things uh, in a very nice you know wrapper. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think anybody's ever seen Warcraft and gone, oh yeah, that doesn't look like Warhammer (laughs) or uh, anything they do. But it's a a fascinating thread to me because I like to see all of these people's ideas of what should be done, especially since the game has been out so long now. So Um, Intruder's basic premise is that from a lore perspective, it's dead? Like this isn't so much a uh, 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 he's not saying from a gameplay perspective it's dead. Like I, right. hear, that, I hear that complaint a fair amount. He's saying just right. as far as lore, they're kind of tapped out. Right, and I I absolutely agree with him. And there are other people in the the thread that do too, and, and mention that yeah, just you know seeing another dragon's not very exciting. Right. You know, it, it's uh, it's basically tons of dragons and some demons, <laughs> some evil dwarfs here and there, but. The Lich King was really kind of like the big bad guy 
You know, he was, you know, Warcraft three. That's where all of this really starts. And, uh, yeah, it, it's weird that they, they have him officially killed off. Now, what, uh, what were some of the people's suggestions as far as intruders complaint that from a lore perspective, it's tapped out, what kind of things can Blizzard do about that? Like add in whole new lore, like what, 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 what suggestions have been floated in this thread, and what do you have in mind as well, Jason Heinrich McMaster? You know, the big thing I think that people complain about is that – and, and the recurring thing that I've seen is that the game's been out for, what, six years now? Maybe – well, I mean, I've been playing it longer thanks to the beta, but uh, any game after six years is going to get kind of dull. You know, you're, you're going to have to do a lot to it. Um, and the basic game system, they're, they're probably not going to change. And at this point, really, the biggest com- – I mean, uh, several people in the thread say that maybe they should just release a new MMO, which they're working on. Um, so there's a lot of different suggestions, though. Uh, people don't like the uh, gatherer quests, which I agree with, where you have to go out and you're competing with, like, you know, a 1,000 people for – little tokens or whatever and you have to get 150 of them and they they you know maybe drop one per monster so you're sitting there killing 150 monsters for a token that everybody else is trying to buy and it just it just just doesn't make any sense i mean for, for a company that does so good with their quest lines and their streamlining and everything in world of warcraft it's just it seems like a, the last expansion was almost kind of phoned in comparably yeah it just uh, th- i mean they redid of course the um uh one through 60 game which was a huge draw for people and uh and that's and it's really good but at the same time you're still you're just losing losing a lot of steam on a on a game that's just that dated i think is the real issue so i i want you to tell me the truth here no lies. Are you still playing this thing, McMaster? No. Okay. I actually canceled four months ago, something like that. All right. Five. That's what I thought. I thought you were off of the World of Warcraft, and I was wondering if actually you'd relapsed. Uh, no, I mean, I'm curious every now and then. If they release another expansion, then I'll, you know, maybe I'll get it and check it out. But I'm, I'm kind of done with World of Warcraft. Uh, I spent too much time in the game. I mean, I'd be interested to see anything they make new but uh, you know if you've <laughs> after you spend several you know thousand hours probably in a game it just kind of loses its shine now here's a question too like so this is a, a complaint that probably several people in the game have uh it's doing well enough that i imagine blizzard doesn't really have to do anything about this complaint like if they just keep doing what they're doing they're i imagine they've i think their numbers i've seen have dropped a little bit but they're not hurting this isn't it's sort of like telling oh, Michael. No. It's sort of like telling Michael Bay he should go back to film school. Yeah, exactly. It's like why? You know, I'm already making the money. Right. <laughs> so right. it's you know the the game itself is great. It's just I don't know. I think Cataclysm just bred some ill will because of the uh, it, it, instead of it making it a ten level expansion, it was five levels, and those five levels are really long. So I, the grind, I think, just wears everybody down eventually. So one of the th- I was out to see Guild Wars 2 recently, and two of the things that, that I saw that struck me as I was listening to you talk, uh, the first are that they have no gather quests. 
you know, they, they made a point of saying that all their quests, well, that most of their quests tie into this like dynamic world system they're doing. So you're never told to go get, uh, you, you know, 10 wolf paws. That, that, that's simply not a part of the gameplay. I love that idea. Well, that's good. And the other thing that yeah. I love is that, uh, the amount of time it'll take you to go from, say, level 19 to level 20 is the exact same amount of time it will take you to go from level 49 to level 50. They're not wanting to draw it out as you get to increasingly higher levels. They're not wanting to draw out the level grind. Uh, so oh, that's I, good. Yeah, yeah EverQuest was the king of that. <laughs> Well, I just love the idea of keeping that because that's kind of part of pacing. Like you want to get some new – if it's not a level, at least it's loot or something changes. You get some new addition to your character every so often, and the leveling becomes less and less a part of that pacing in most MMOs as you get to higher and higher levels and the requirements get drawn out more and more before you hit that that ding. Uh, oh, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. it's absolutely <laughs> – and I don't know if they can do that in Guild Wars. Like you know, they they they're 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 making a lot of declarations that I really hope they can live up to. But that that sounds like uh, you know this idea that you can just as quickly get to one of the higher levels as you can the medium levels. Like I don't can you make gameplay that sustains that? And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see when and if that ever comes out. So all right. So McMaster, another thing, Intruder, I believe, is there in Germany. So you oh. should you should meet him and buy him a beer because he has your favorite post of the week. I should. I should if I knew where he was. Well, Germany, he I think should. it's – yeah, I don't know. Most people also don't know this about Germany. Here's a fourth fact about Germany. Germany is the size of Rhode Island. Most people don't know that when you – because, you know, when you look at maps, you don't understand the relative size of different countries. Uh, so Germany is the it's, size of, of Rhode Island. So I think if you just have – if you rent a bicycle – I'm sure you could meet Intruder in a 20-minute ride. <laughs> That's yeah, 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So it's that close. All right, so uh, that's your post of the week. My post of the week is uh, actually it's just a picture that someone posted. Uh, it's a fellow named Justin Fletcher who did a fantastic series for us on the front page about uh, being a new dad and and what that does to your gaming habits. Uh, one thing that that has not done to Justin Fletcher's gaming habits is lowered his scores in Pinball FX2. Much to, <laughs> my, much to my chagrin, that guy's still all over. Whenever I boot up the game, there's his stupid name parked at the top of one of the lists, you know, in one of the top four or five slots, and it's really annoying because I know he's got new babies to take care of, and I can't. Be, <laughs> I, I, my score is never going to get up there. So. Uh, there was for Pinball FX2 recently released a uh, the, the guys at Zen Studios released a Captain America table, uh, and I just I don't the superhero stuff I don't really know one superhero from the other. The Captain America table I promptly lost interest in because Zen Studios made the rookie mistake of delaying the game with their silly animation for one of the characters. For these superhero tables, you have like dolls of the superheroes standing around the table. So in the Captain America yeah. table, there's a villain doll. There's a doll of a villain named Zemo. Uh, and this dude, whenever you lose a ball, he casually strolls out to the edge of the table and he looks out at it and then he turns around and he walks off. Now, if you've played pinball, you know that the moment you lose your ball, you know that it drains out one of the side lanes or down the middle – 
you just want to get right back in there. You're ready. You know, you're pulling the plunger. You're just ready to flip that ball back in there. And in Captain America, you have to frickin' wait for the stupid Mr. Zemo animation between every ball. Um, God, and it, awful. it kills the pacing <laughs> for me because in any other, in all their other games, you just quickly launch as soon as you lose the ball. I'm ready to go. And now I have to wait for the Zemo guy. So I had posted something about who is this Zemo guy. He wears a pink veil. He looks silly. Uh, so, uh, uh, Justin Fletcher posted a page from a Captain America comic book showing this guy's – I guess it's his origin story. But he's like <laughs> – he's some go- – so do you know Captain America, Jason Heinrich, Ringmaster? Not very well. Okay. Do you, so did you know there's a villain named Mr. Zemo? I did not know that. Sounds like Mr. Zemo. It does make you think of that, yeah. And I, I think he went over about as well as the Zima drink. But he's yeah. he's he's got he's literally he's like a Nazi wearing a pink veil, and it makes no sense. But what happened is he was a, a hated scientist recruited by the Nazis or whatever, and he's he's researching and and this is not fake. This is entirely true. He's researching like a super Nazi glue, and I don't know what they're going to do with it. They're going to you know stick things together, I guess. Together. I, yeah, exactly. And that's how they'll conquer the world. Uh, and the accident goes wrong. When, I mean, the, the, uh, there's a lab accident and the research goes wrong when Captain America jumps into the lab and breaks something with his shield. I guess that's what the shield does. Is he throws it and it knocks something over. Yeah, so, it's made out of a meteor or something. Right. You know what? It's made out of vibranium. I think that's oh. what it's See? I oh. also know his name is Steve Rogers. So if you have any Captain America trivia you're wondering about. I can help you with that. So, and I also okay. know that this Captain Mr. Zemo dude gets this veil glued to his face. It gets stuck to his face in the lab accident. That's his superpower: is that he's got a veil stuck to his face. That's the, the, this villain, um, and that's, yeah, a, that's 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 a terrible. That's not a very cool power. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, and it's it's pink too. It is no joke pink. So when Justin posted the actual page from this. Uh, this episode or whatever you call it issue of a Captain America comic book. I, I was extremely amused at his backstory. So that's why I'm not playing the, the Captain America table. And uh, thanks to Justin for showing me, uh, giving me even more reason to hate this little casually strolling dude on, on the table there. Um, now, now Jason Heinrich McMaster, I noticed when I play pinball FX, I don't see your name in many, maybe I don't see your name in any of those high score lists, if I'm not mistaken. What gives? No. <laughs> I don't have pinball effects. Why do you hate fun? Um, I don't know. Why do you hate fun? Oh, snap. Good one. You oh, got me there. snap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's just a terrible idea. It reminds me of, oh, God, what was it? That movie about Balder or a game about Balder? Oh, uh, I don't too, too human. Too human. Oh, right, right. Yeah, where the, every time you died, there was like a 30-second animation. Ah, the Valkyrie. That's right. A Valkyrie yeah. Because yeah. you want to just get right back in there and play. And it's sort of – you know what? Maybe – actually, so I'm thinking maybe it's a, it's the game developer's way to disincentivize like dying or losing the ball. It could be. Or they just want you to play less. <laughs> <laughs> uh FX is they did announce a new table today uh, for a game that I know nothing about. Uh, McMaster, do you know this Explosion uh, Man game? Yes. Um, 
it's pretty strange. I think I played the beta on my debug unit uh, a long time back. Uh, it's it's a platformer. You know, it's it was really uh, yeah, just kind of a run through things and try not to die or explode, I guess. And so, what's what's the twist that your guy explodes? Yeah, you're. Um, yeah, it's weird. Uh, you're you were in some sort of experiment or something like that, and you're made of energy, and you can explode all the time. And I think that's how you kill enemies is exploding. I don't remember exactly. All right. Well, they'll uh, they'll I trust them. I don't know because the great thing about Zen Studios and their pinball tables is that I could not care less about the subject matter. They do a great job with table design. So even though – and I love the idea, by the way, of two indie companies like this getting together, collaborating to promote each other's products. So uh, Pinball FX2 will have a Splosion Man table, and uh, Miss Splosion Man, which is released this week, uh, will have a uh, sort of a link to Pinball FX2 in the game where you go to an in-game pinball table. So I love the idea that they're crossbreeding, and 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 I love the idea too that they're not cranking out another superhero table because I'm tired of all these dudes in tights. Uh, I'm ready to see. Sure, something yeah, different. yeah. Uh, so uh, McMaster, I think you should get Pinball FX2 because I need more people who aren't as good as me playing this game. Uh, well, that would be certainly me. Good, you would help me. So one of the things they they measure in this game is, of course, when you get a high score on a table. Uh, high scores tend to be measured in the millions because there's this idea of score inflation in pinball machines where if you hit a bumper and you get, you know, 10 points, that's not as fun as hitting a bumper and getting 10,000 points. You know, everything just adds oh, up sure. to zeros, right? So what they do in all the tables that you own, and this is only the case on the 360 versions, so don't get it for your PS3, McMaster. On all the tables okay. that you own, they total together. They put into a big pile basically every million points of high score you get on any given table applies to what's called your super score. So oh. my my super score right now, and you rank this along with your friend's super scores, mine is 223, meaning that if you were to total together all of the high scores on all the tables I've played, you would get 223 million so for my right. super score, they just drop those six zeros, and they give me a super score of 223. So I'm at the point now where I'm trying to beat my high scores just a million at a time to raise my super score because Rimbo, that guy, is at 225. I'm I'm a mere – I am so – I'm just about to pass him up. I can just feel it. I spent nearly three hours listening to podcasts last night playing the Fantastic Four table, which I've kind of learned – uh, trying to get my super score up there. So I'm within two measly points of Rimbo. Once I beat Rimbo, Dave Long is at 249. I am gunning for both of them. Actually, I hope neither of them's listening because I don't want them to sit down and play and boost their scores anymore. But I, by the time we record next week, Jason McMaster, I hope to be able to come on here and tell you that I have bested the super scores of Rimbo and Dave Long. So stay tuned for that announcement. It's a lofty goal. It is. It is. Uh, all right, so that was the, the long way around of saying that my post of the week is uh, Justin Fletcher's awesome Captain America panels. Uh, yours, McMaster, was Intruder's uh, conversation about World of Warcraft. Uh, so then let's move on from there to our games of the week. Are you ready for this? Okay. I am ready. I'm rolling the D4. You're a 1 to 2. I'm a 3 to 4. 
Oh, I got another one. Oh. Ha ha. All right. Well, my game of the week is pretty easy. Um, Mercenaries. uh, Resident Evil, the Mercenaries 3. Now, don't even think about resetting your progress on that game, McMaster. Oh, no. No, no. But I don't really care. (laughs) Um that's it's i think that a lot more is made of that than there should have been just because it's it's an unlocked game you know i mean sure it's basically about not reselling the game mm-hmm. but i don't see where you would actually want to reset your scores now, to be fair part. i just want to interject briefly to be fair capcom has posted on their blog uh they've insisted that it was not a measure to discourage used game sales. So just to let folks listening know, uh, in this game, and I'll let you talk about the actual game in a minute, McMaster, but in this game, uh, as you progress, you get high scores, you unlock new levels, you you raise skill levels, you unlock weapons. Uh, There is no way to reset your progress. So if you were to buy a used copy of Resident Evil Mercenaries 3D, you would be at whatever level of progress the previous player had unlocked. It's almost like getting a pinball machine where somebody's already got the high scores. Actually, it doesn't even work because you put your initials on high scores. But at any rate, you're stuck with whatever progress level is in your used copy. Now, Capcom has posted on their blog saying that's not what we were doing. What really happened, we promise, is that it just didn't occur to us that that would matter. So this seems to be an issue where Capcom wasn't necessarily trying to game the market so much as they were as clueless as usual. Right. Uh, um, So, okay, so go ahead. So tell us why this is your uh, game of the week and whether or not this is a factor for you that you can't reset your progress. Well, of course, like I said, it's not really a big factor to me because I enjoy playing games like this and I'll probably keep it. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that was really the big deal to people was the fact that you couldn't sell it, which, you know, of course, whatever. Um, it's a, the reason it's the, my game of the week though, is if anybody, uh, has played Resident Evil 5's mercenary mode, it's, uh, uh, just, you get dropped off on a map, you run around killing things in the time limit, or you have specific little missions, and, uh, yeah, you get unlocks as you go. And it's, uh, it's really quick to play. And it's really, you know, just fast action. And, of course, the unlockables can be fun back. But um, one of the more interesting things about it is, you know, it's for the 3DS. And it's one of the nicer-looking games I've seen on a handheld console. 3D is really nice. It's, um, it's just really good-looking. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. It's, it's amazing how well they have it, – it's so weird to see on a little handheld, especially on a 3DS where you're used to seeing those Nintendo, 3, uh, Nintendo DS graphics. It's amazing to see levels from Resident Evil 5 recreated so faithfully in that little system, isn't it? Like yeah, some, there's like a cognitive, There's this weird cognitive disconnect. You're playing it thinking, oh, yeah, I recognize this level from Resident Evil 5. This should not look this good on a DS. Oh, yeah, the first level you play is Public Assembly, which is one of the levels I've probably played the most, just playing through the game repeatedly. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's pretty, pretty good-looking game, and it's authentic, you know. And they, they definitely put a lot of work into it. Um, they've also, I really like how well they've captured the animation, which was always a high point 
of certainly Resident Evil 4 and 5 is the animation where you shoot one of the zombies. I think they're called Majins. Like, I, I forget. They're not technically zombies, but they're zombies. Oh, yeah, the Majins. The, right. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the African dudes with the, like, the uh, spears and stuff, yeah. Now, sometimes, though, they're white, just so you know. This That's is not true. A, this is, once again, with the whole racism allegations that were aimed at Capcom, Capcom is living proof of this idea uh, never ascribed to malice what can be adequately explained with stupidity or cluelessness. I mean, I think that was the deal going on with this, the racism allegations about Resident Evil 5. But it's great that you can shoot a zombie in a specific limb or a head and it reacts very damage specific. Oh, yeah. and the animation is good and, and they get a surprising number of zombies on screen. I mean, and, uh, you know, it's great to be in they that do. public square and you've got, you know, you've got 10 of them out there and uh, it's, it's amazing <laughs> that all this is on the 3DS. Yeah, it's really impressive. Uh, like the hard, the, th- the Nintendo 3DS hardware has to be, of course, a good step up from uh, the earlier iterations. But it, it kind of blew me away the first time I saw it. Uh, you know, and I played a, a bit of the new Resident Evil at E3, uh, the 3DS one that's coming out next year. Um, and it's it plays a lot like Resident Evil Five, and it was it was a pretty good time. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but well, you know, one of the things that I thought was interesting about this game is that you can unlock stuff with coins and you get coins in a strange way, <laughs> which, uh, is that if you have your 3ds on you and you walk around every hundred steps you take, you get a coin, you can get 10 coins a day. So wait a minute, trying- this is in, this is in mercenaries. Yes. I have I mean, no idea. <laughs> It's just like a 3DS thing, but you can buy – it's weird. In the character select, if you go to weapons – Right. I've uh, noticed that. I go to weapons all the time, and I can't freaking do anything. Right. It, it took me forever to figure it out. But, yes, if you walk around or if you know, you're know you like me, you shake your 3DS quite a bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you know, on the plane, I had nothing better to do. Um I, uh, you uh, can get up to 10 coins a day, and now you can unlock other people's weapon sets oh. via uh, for your characters via the coins. I can't freaking so. believe this, McMaster, because I've, I've played online, and I've seen, for instance, Jill Valentine with a bow and arrow, and I know she doesn't have the bow. I've unlocked <laughs> all the characters but one. I see some dude, and I'm like, how did he do that? And I'm like, oh, I guess I have to unlock all go. the levels. So I've been plugging away. I've got one level yet to get a gold star on. And I thought, oh, you have to walk. You know what? I've got a, one of those paint mixing things out in the garage that shakes there the can go. of paint. I'm going to go hook up my 3DS to that and just leave it running for a while and get coins. I cannot believe I, that. Wow. It's crazy, isn't it? I, I really – the first day or two, I was like, how do you get coins? You know, I kept thinking, you know, because I would, I would click on the, the question or hit A on the question marks and it was – you need 15 coins to unlock this. And I was like, well, maybe you get them some way or whatever. And I, I started looking around and yeah, you have to Nintendo trying to make you exercise. <sighs> <laughs> now, uh, who's your favorite character? Who do you yeah, use? So far, just Chris Redfield. I mean, you know, he's really standard, like, uh, you know, the shotgun plus, uh, mm-hmm. plus the sniper rifle. But I must admit I've used, uh, you know, um, Jill. A good bit too. Mm-hmm. Have you unlocked Chris Redfield's uh, very fetching pilot's outfit? Uh, I have not. I have unlocked Jill Valentine's casual. The casual oh. is also very fetching on her. Yes, she looks quite nice yeah. in that. Uh, it becomes. So I, need, I need to do that. Yeah. 
Uh, have you have you tried going online with it yet? I have not. I need to. I need to. So as as we know, I think from maybe two podcasts ago, my, my game of the week was Fear Two. Uh, I'm loving Fear Two. There's uh there's a two player co op mode in Fear Two, and I've had a spotty time finding people to play with when I go online. However, every time I've sat down to play Mercenaries 3D and Resident Evil Mercenaries 3D, I've just instantly been able to find someone to pair with on whatever level I'm looking for. Or I just host it on the level I'm looking for. It's, uh, you know, why can't fear be like that? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I've actually played some fear now, and uh, the game's pretty difficult. Well, if you need help, McMaster, I'm your, I'm, I'll be your Huckleberry. Uh, I mean, I like it so far. Actually, Sarah's playing it quite a bit. So if you see her online, feel free to send her a message too. But uh, yeah, she, uh, she's been playing a lot more than I have. She's, she's really enjoying it too. Um, but yeah, Fear, Fear Three is a, <laughs> it's something else. It's definitely not your average fear game. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, now for for Mercenaries 3D, I, I just. The, the sheer fa- fact that it looks as nice as it does and it's so easy to pick up and play easily makes it my game. And I also have to say, it certainly, that that new analog pad or the little... Oh, yeah. Man, I love having that. That is so nice oh, to yeah. see. Oh, yeah. That is, it's so much better than the PSPs. Yeah. So. Yeah, the PSPs, which is kind of, oh, God. So what's the next game to look forward to on the 3DS, McMaster? You know, I, since I just got mine, uh, I've got a few things I've been uh, playing around with that I'm also really impressed with. I, I really like the Zelda Ocarina of Time. It's just pretty impressive looking, what they did with it. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, for the 3DS, geez, there's a Shin Megami Tensei game coming out. I saw that release. Now, is that a re-release of, a, of an earlier SMT, or is it a whole new RPG? You know, I'm not sure. I almost think it's a new one, but okay. that's that's a good question. Oh well, huh. they're actually uh, announcing a. Uh, oh well, yeah, a bit ago announced a new persona for, or a persona for it. For the 3DS. okay, okay, right. See, and one of these is one of the ones that I see here is Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survivor, which I I've played on the standard DS. I don't know if it's different though. Well, I believe isn't the one for the 3DS called something like Overkill or Overclock? Isn't it like Shin Megami Tensei uh, Overclock? I could be wrong. I might be mistaken on this. That could be. Okay. There's but o- over Overclock to me, suspiciously, just because I'm so used to years of hearing like marketing come up with names, Overclock yeah. sounds to me suspiciously like something that you would call a version of a game that was already on another platform. <laughs> uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> That's why I wonder that. But uh, yeah. All right. So uh, also, uh, I want to say on the 3DS, uh, I really like the 3D in Resident Evil Mercenaries 3D. I don't always so do put it on, but I really like when you know when I'll put it on, and if I'm not in a high pressure situation, I love the little depth that it adds. You know, if I'm trying to beat one of the tougher levels, or if I'm trying to maximize my score, I turn that off because if you move it at the wrong angle, suddenly everything's messed oh, up. Yeah. But it, it, for more casual, laid-back levels, or to just shoot things and make it look good, and, and to grind up your skills, which is part of the game, I love turning on the 3D, and I think it looks great. 
Yeah, that's the one thing I'll say about the 3DS that has impressed me the most is, you know, when I first tried it out, uh, I was like, ah, I don't know about this. But after getting used to, uh, like, how you have to hold it and just setting the 3D level to something that I, I can see, it really works. You know, it really works. It's yep. crazy. Yep. <laughs> All right, McMaster, I'm about to cheat. What do you think of that? Oh, uh, go right ahead. How can right. you cheat when there are no rules? Well, here's one of the – okay, good. I'm glad that you're saying that because I wasn't, I wasn't sure if the rules on this podcast were that the game of the week had to be a video game. Do you know if I'm no. breaking so, – okay, good. I'm in the clear because I, I thought I was just going to have to just live with being a cheater. So my game of the week is not a video game. Uh, that said, I want to throw at you a thought experiment real quick, McMaster. Can, can you think of a tie-in game, video game or whatever, that's based on a movie, say, where the game is better than the movie? Hmm. Spider-Man 2? <laughs> that's a good one, actually. I, I mean, I'm not one of those. I know a lot of people hate Spider-Man 2. I didn't really – I don't – care enough about it to i don't hate it, it. I, I liked it just just fine but I mean, but the game was so good yeah yeah you're so right yeah wow okay that's very good master <laughs> i mean i didn't think it couldn't be done i just wanted to know of another example because this is a case where the game i think is so much better than the property it's based on so this is not a computer game as you may have guessed this is a board game now mcmaster right. you were are are you hip to board gaming Oh yeah, yeah. I used to write a column about board gaming for uh, that Gamma, not Gamma Sutra, but the other one, what? Game Set, Game Set Watch, or something. No, no. I just want to say, McMaster, that's a great way to endear yourself to former employers. So uh, then have you played, because I, I, I now want to posit that this game is far better than the subject material. Have you played the Battlestar Galactica board game? No, but I've seen it played. Now, yeah, the big reason I didn't want to play it is because I do not care about Bellstar Galactica, and I know that makes me some sort of heathen or whatever to sci-fi fans, but I'm just not a fan of this uh, series. It just didn't capture me. But I, I saw it the year it was released, and it looked interesting. Isn't that the one where you have, like, the ship and stuff or whatever? Yep, and you put, yep. Well, yeah. The board is basically just a, a map of the ship with a few locations on it and some and space divided up around it and Cylons come in. But but the the notable thing about the board game is that it's a co-op board game. Uh, oh, those are great. Those are great, but they can be um, – they can sometimes crap. feel a little pointless. They can be crap. They yeah. can feel pointless. Uh, it can be hard to really harness good – board gaming mechanics yeah it's not the easiest uh design to pull off in a board game exactly it's a a challenge and you know men as brilliant as rainer kinesia have applied themselves to it and and he did a lord of the rings uh co-op board game where you're all members of the fellowship uh and and some of those are tricky and you get this sense that you know i've also played recently over the holiday break a lot of arkham horror and that can be fun but uh, the mechanics, you know, it's it's just a little die it's really storytelling game. It's really long, yeah. So but, that's the problem. <laughs> but what what I think Battlestar Galactica does so well, and it uses it, it it's contingent on the fiction of the story, 
And if you're not a fan of Battlestar Galactica, that's fine. We played a couple of games with people who didn't know the show, and I don't think it suffers for it in the least. But the fiction from the show is that Cylons are not only a force attacking the human beings, but there's this whole replicant idea, kind of like in Blade Runner, where some Cylons are like clones that ex- that precisely resemble human beings. You can't easily oh, tell whether yeah. they're human or not. So like what, that one girl or whatever in the show, <laughs> number nine or seven or whatever she is. Yeah, the. Uh, I love I love to you, McMaster, that she's that one girl. Yes. Yeah, so tr- uh, <laughs> Trisha Halford is that Trisha Halper. What did you call her? Halpert? Yeah, Trisha Halper is her name, and she uh she she's the super hot Cylon. But over the course of the show, they play a lot with who is a Cylon and who isn't. Who is a traitor? They have a really cool sort of Manchurian candidate uh, uh, conceit where a Cylon can be activated. And the Cylon thought that it was human the entire time. But in in fact, as soon as it gets a signal, it's a Cylon and it's now carrying out a mission to either assassinate someone or betray the humans or whatever. So so the board game takes this mechanic. Um, Now, there was a game called... Shadows over Camelot. I think there was a King Arthur yeah. co-op game, and it did it's something. Felt. Yeah, and it didn't. It had a like. I forget how you were the trader. I don't know. Like I think you would draw cards at the beginning of the game, and if one person drew the trader card, he was a trader, and he was trying to sabotage the co-op game. Um, right. So they do something similar in Battlestar Galactica, but the way the cards work is that they have the starting phase where you determine whether or not there's a traitor. And there, in fact, may be no traitor, no Cylon. But then halfway into the game, according to a game clock they use, there's what's called a sleeper phase where everybody gets another card. And so, therefore, <laughs> there's a chance that a traitor will be introduced while the game is in progress. Uh, so it's a great mechanic to keep people guessing. Uh, the, the default state to play the game is with five players and two of them will probably end up being Cylons. Uh, again, it could only be one of them. There will be at least one Cylon. Uh, and uh, it introduces into the co-op game a whole new dynamic. It reminds me a lot of those vampire, or mafia, or werewolf social games that some people have played on the forum, where you're trying to guess who's the, who's the bad guy and who's the good guy. And, uh, you, you know, you yeah, do- I really don't actually understand those games. I tried to once. Uh, I went and looked at one. I do not get the forum games. Well, now, it's not a forum game necessarily. Uh, I think it works as a forum game. It's better. It's a party game. It's a famous party game that I think began in uh, Russia or something. Uh, but okay. it's, all, it's all about uh, artificially designating someone as the bad guy and then letting a group of players in, in a social situation figure out which one of them is a bad guy. And since a forum is a social situation, it works in that format. It works much better in person, and I think it works best when it's when it's something that's expressed in the context of clear, simple, elegant rules. And that's what Battlestar Galactica provides. You can have a group of friends sit in a circle and play the game, and that's fine. But when you have them sit in a circle around board game mechanics, as elegant and fluid yeah. as the board game mechanics are in Battlestar Galactica, it works especially well. And Battlestar Galactica uses a really cool system of these co-op challenges that are presented every so often and players have to play a secret bidding game with their resources to solve the challenges. So what happens is the Cylon player can either withhold resources or play damaging resources. Uh, So there's this whole mechanic for that subterfuge to come out. And 
after each crisis is resolved or not, you can make guesses about who's using what resource to do what. Um, and it's just a really cool system for that kind of psychology, you know, who's the traitor. And it, it does so well with the fiction of the show, too, this idea of flying out into space to have battles, uh, political intrigue, uh, jockeying for position as the admiral and the president, um, stuff about, uh, you know, locking people up in jail or being sent to the sick bay. Uh, it's just such great sci-fi flavor, even if you're not into the show. Um, so if you've got a board gaming group, it requires five players. I wouldn't recommend it with, with less or more. Uh, I cannot recommend strongly enough Battlestar Galactica. It's everything that's great about board gaming. It's everything that's great about Battlestar Galactica. And it's everything that's great about group psychology, group dynamics. Uh, and, and that's my game of the week. So, that's, um, Isn't that a fantasy flight game? It is fantasy flight. It's got a little bit of touch of that Ameritrash to it. But oh, yeah. Rule, that's a rules, fantasy flight. That's fantasy flight in a nutshell, yeah. But overall, though, the rules, I would say, are much more sort of Euro, Euro board game streamlined. Uh, it does have a certain elegance to it. There are a few expansions you can get. Uh, we didn't play with any of those, and I've been told about them. I'm not sold on any of them. Uh, but for a fantasy flight game, it, it, it's nowhere near as complex as something like their Lord of the Rings games or Twilight Imperium. Uh, it's, it's perfect. Yeah, the Lord of the Rings game is really ridiculously complex. You got to be dedicated for that one. Yeah, yeah I, I actually bought that game, and uh, I don't know if we ever actually finished a game of it. It was it was uh, ridiculous. It reminds me of Twilight Imperium to an extent. They might both be Christian Peterson. I'm not sure. They might have the same designer. You know what? I think I'm wrong about that. Strike that. Uh, Good but yeah, Lord, Twilight Imperium. <laughs> I yeah, I love that game too. That's a, another one. It's got some great group psychology uh, stuff going. No, not that trader mechanic. It's it's very much an no. real game. Uh, yeah. See, uh, they they have a lot of games I like. Actually, Fantasy Flight. They're decent. Uh, or like Runebound. That's not a bad game for. Uh, if I remember correctly, isn't that sort of co-op? Runebound. I don't know. Is that one of those? That, is, that, is that one of those games for people that wish that they weren't too self-conscious to play Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, you know, it's kind of weird. It's uh, it's like an overworld thing instead of like a, a tactical thing because they have you know a hero quest kind of game. Um, that, that's I think well, what I'm thinking of. Which one is Runebound then? Runebound has an overworld hex map. And you have little gems on it, and each of those gems represents a card, a card type, and you go and you fight battles, and then eventually you collect a certain amount of points, and you fight like the big bad enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of a standard game layout, but it, it's interesting, and it's relatively co-op, if I remember correctly. It's been awesome. I played it. Um, how, uh, the one you're thinking of, I think, what is that called? Descent. Isn't that uh, it? Yes, yes, Descent, right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I like that game too. But yeah, it's much more D&D hero class. Well, I don't, I don't like, in theory, games where you've got one guy set up, like co-op games that cheat by setting up one guy as the dungeon master. As the bad like, guy, yeah. Yeah. That's, I, like, they do a lot of that in Fantasy Flight, like Fury of the Dracula, uh, The War of the Ring, uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, even uh, the Rainer Kinesia Lord of the Rings – they had a Sauron expansion, I think, where one of the players is Sauron, I, I believe. They huh. did that whole thing where you're playing, you know, suddenly you've got this co-op game and we're going to add in another player to make it adversarial. Uh, 
that that to me does isn't nearly as interesting as the secret trader dynamic i guess um Right. Yeah. No, I, I will say that as far as that goes, the Fury of the Dracula is probably or Fury of Dracula is probably one of the more interesting ones. <laughs> I, I just don't understand why they named <laughs> Fury of Dracula. It well, he's angry. Like he's, well, he's mad about well, something. He's angry. He? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, that one, I don't think I've played. You know, maybe I have played it, but it's like you've got three vampire hunters and one and then the yeah. Dracula. Right? And, yeah. Yeah. And you're uh, basically you make all your moves and they're hidden and they're just trying to find you. Right. And it, it, it's interesting. It's a game of cat and mouse, but it's, do the it's human players collaborate with each other much? Do they have to do much actual interaction? Usually if they want to find them. Yeah. They'll usually do that. They'll because, you know, because, say, Oh, you go here, you go there, etc." Cause he's furious. I hear. Oh, he's furious. You got to watch out. <laughs> so, uh, while we're on board gaming, McMaster, what is uh, what with your group? What's your board game of choice been lately? Jeez, we play a lot of Euro games. Um, we play Settlers of Catan. That's for babies, entry level. Yeah, yeah gateway yeah. game, gateway game. All right, what else? Um, uh, Puerto Rico. I like Puerto Rico. Also, kind of a gateway, but go ahead, keep going. Yeah, yeah. At this rate, McMaster, you're never going to get a game of Twilight Imperium going. No, probably not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have a few that I haven't even played yet. I have the Game of Thrones board game, and it's just kind of a little bit too much for me. Really? <laughs> game of Thrones? No, say I'm going to disagree with you there, because I think the Game of Thrones board game is actually pretty elegant as well. It's pretty simple. Um but it's another one that I think you need five players. Like it really, right. if you have a gap, an empty space on the board, it, it hurts the way the game works. But as far as the basic mechanics, it's pretty simple. Now, part of the problem is it's very uh, war gamey in that it's almost, it's got a cool right. bidding system for the, the power tracks. Uh, but it's very much about, you know, do I want these two points of power here or here in this province? Like it's very much about moving discrete little military units around provinces. Um, you know, the game we were obsessed with, uh-huh. Sarah and I, at least for a while, was Dominion. That's one of the card building games, right? Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's really interesting. It's fast. So, it is fast. I like the pacing of that. Seven Wonders is kind of like that as well, but I was in a... You know, board. It's it's kind of surprising. One of the tough things about talking about board games is that game design and the actual quality of the game is is one factor, but the quality of the group can easily trump a great. Oh yeah. So my first exposure to Seven Wonders was not very. uh, It wasn't a great group for it. It didn't go over very well. So I don't I don't feel like I've been fairly exposed to these card building games enough with my group. However, I recently. I finally sat down to figure out this iPhone game called um, Battle of Gundabad or something like that, but it's basically Dominions. Uh, mm. So I sat down and fiddled with it long enough to, to where it led me to want to download something that just came out last week called uh, Ascension. Something, something of the God's That sounds something. familiar. So it's a new IP, uh, but it's a couple of guys who worked on the Magic the Gathering game. Like It's a, it's a group of skilled developers uh, making this basically card building game and ascension is fantastic like it's that same dominions uh, uh sort of concept where each player's building decks 
but it's got a, just enough of a tweak and it's got a twist where you're each competing for the same pool of five cards rather than stacks that you're drawing from. Uh, I love Ascension. I mean, I played two games of it last night, enough to know that I was hooked, so I, I can't really speak too authoritatively on it. But if you like Dominions, if you have an iPhone, good golly, you, shell out the five bucks for this Ascension thing. It's fantastic. The artwork on it looks great. I mean, I'd heard that about it, and I was like, oh, great, whatever. It's going to be fantasy art. But it's this funky kind of stylized, like, like pen and ink drawing kind of things. Uh, and it's got just oh, enough yeah. of a tweak to the gameplay. So Ascension, McMaster, I don't know if they get iPhone there in Germany. But if they do, I recommend, uh, if you're looking for something to, to play on the plane ride back, spend five bucks on Ascension. I'll take a look at it. Yeah, I'm always interested. I've been playing a lot of cribbage lately on my phone, so. Cribbage, wow. <laughs> what has the artwork? Cribbage, yes, sir. How's the artwork in that cribbage game? It's really good. Uh, no, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's pretty utilitarian. <laughs> All right, so, yeah. Master, what, what do we have to look forward to next week? What's our format going to be next week on next week's show? I think it'll be news, ah. forum post, and games. Ah, good, good. I like it. So, now, how long are you going to be in Germany? When do we? Have Jason Heinrich McMath restored to his normal bandwidth? Uh, I will be here till the 19th. So one more week. All right. You missed or, Well, you know, one. One more podcast, basically. Right. One more podcast. I missed what? You missed America's birthday. I hope you're happy. Oh, no. I was here for that. Oh, oh so uh, you're just newly in Germany then. Okay. Right. Yeah. I, uh, we flew over on the 5th. Because you can't very well be in Germany on America's birthday. That's, that's right. Oh, no. No, absolutely not. <laughs> they can All keep right. it. So uh, I hope you're having fun out there. Remember your assignment. I need you to verify the myth about green blood, being able to green. say the word Nazi in a video game, and whether or not the average Germaner has a closet full of Rainer Knizia designs. Look into all of those for me. I will. And uh, we will return next week with your findings. I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Jason Heinrich McMaster, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Take care. Gimme, gimme, gimme! I need some more! Gimme, gimme, gimme! Don't ask what for! One, two, three, four! Stand here like a loaded gun! Waiting to go off! I've got nothing to do but survive out Gimme, gimme, gimme! Gimme some more! Germans also like punk music. Yes. I hear that's big over there. Black Flag. (laughs) Hey, you recognized it. Wow. How do you know Black Flag? I like Henry Rollins. I just thought you like his spoken word. Wow. Wow. Look at you, McMaster. I had no idea. You continue to surprise me. <laughs> oh, I like a lot of old punk. I actually really do. Oh, well, you know what? You don't even have to. You don't even have to establish your bona fides. The fact that you recognized Henry Rollins—that's that's good enough by me. Well played, McMaster. <laughs>